0: Hey, Velocity Church, good morning. It's great to be worshiping with you this morning. Uh, It's also going to be cool for me to be able to worship in a little bit different way this morning because we have a guest speaker who almost needs no introduction. Uh, Tim Cole is going to be preaching uh, for us this morning, and he and his wife Lisa planted Velocity about a little over 14 years ago at this point, and so he's going to come and bring a message. Hey, and I also wanted to mention, I know some of you are looking forward to August 2nd and our re-entry. Sunday. And just want to let you know there was an email that went out earlier this week that asked a couple of different important questions for you and what your plans are for possibly attending that Sunday. And so if you didn't get that email, make sure you let us know and give us your email address, your contact info at velocitychurch.info so we can give you all that important information. There's actually going to be a video at the end of the service, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, But in the meantime, I want to welcome Tim up here to come preach for us this morning. Uh, Tim is is the executive director for Waypoint Church Partners, and I know he's going to talk a little bit about that, so I'm not going to steal that thunder. So, Tim, it's great to have you here this morning.
1: Thanks, Rob. It's it is great to be here. My family just got back from vacation a couple of days ago. We were on a two week vacation, and so uh, it's nice to be back in the pulpit. I thought I would have a live audience, and I have a live audience, just most of you aren't here this morning, and so that's kind of disappointing not to be able to see you all in person, but uh, glad to be able to uh, get to speak today. Uh, We did leave a move six years ago uh, from uh, Velocity, and we moved uh, up near Stanton, Virginia, as I became the director of Waypoint Church Partners, and I just want to let, let you know a little bit about that. Uh, because uh, you you all have partnered with us to do some great things, uh, even as we've left. You've helped us in that six year period of time, uh, your partnership with Waypoint, you've helped us plant six new, uh, 10 new sister churches, uh, in the last six years since, since we've left. And uh, Waypoint used to be at that point just one state, but now we're in three complete states and parts of three others. We've kind of kind of map of our of our footprint now. And uh, during the uh, time that we've left, you've helped us along with all the rest of our partner churches to help us plant churches in Maryland and Washington, D.C. and Virginia, North Carolina, and even our first church plant this past year in South Carolina. And so I want to thank you for partnering with us for that. And uh, since I, I checked back, since velocity got started 14 years ago uh, you all have helped waypoint plant 25 sister churches around this region and i think that's pretty cool but uh, but if you've been a part of velocity or any of our other church plants you'd know that we're not just about starting churches but starting churches that are reaching new people for christ and so one metric for that that we have is how many uh people are coming to faith every year in our new churches. And so since we started planting churches 30 years ago, we've now seen more than 8,000 baptisms, uh, and which is pretty cool. But if but if you look at it even better in just in the last two years, we've seen more than a thousand baptisms of those 8,000 from the last 30 years. And so momentum is really growing. And you are part of that. Even some of the baptisms, all of the baptisms that have happened here at Velocity. Last year, the number of baptisms in all of our church plants uh, was this really cool number of 555. And uh, so I I just like that number because it's a uh, it's, uh, Pretty obvious, and we've got a real quick video to show you of uh, the baptisms at one of the churches, our most recent church plants that you helped us to start. That meets in a middle school in Frederick, Maryland. It's called Collective Church. Let's show that video. I
0: believe. I believe. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the, Christ. Jesus is the, Christ. the Son of the Living God, the Son of the Living God, Son of the Living God,
1: the Son of the Living God,
0: my Lord my lord my
1: lord my lord
0: and my savior and my savior my
1: savior and my
0: savior and my savior, and my savior. on that confession of faith and i now baptizing in the name of the father and the son
1: Well, you can tell that most of those baptisms happened pre-COVID uh, because of all the people around there. But I want to thank you for partnering with us to, to see baptisms like that happening in just one of the churches that you've helped us to start. And we're starting more and more churches all around the region. Our next church plant is happening in Goldsboro, North Carolina this next spring uh, with a fellow, Kevin uh, McNeil, that is a graduate of Mid-Atlantic Christian Uni- University, where Rob and Renee Yancey are alumni. And so uh, that's going to be another church that you've helped us get started. And here's one way that You can help me and Waypoint. We've got uh, a number of churches all around the region that partner with us to help churches like that get started. But we've also got a growing number of individuals that help us uh, plant more churches with a thing that we call iPlantChurches.com. And people give as little as $5 or $10 a month. And every dime that you uh, give to that fund helps us to plant more churches. And so right now, I can't see that you're not. Uh, looking at me online, you can get your phone out right now and nav- or your computer and navigate to iPlantChurches.com and you could sign up to, to help us plant more churches to see even more people reach for Christ as we move forward. So thank you for that. And also, if you are interested uh, today in talking to someone about what it means to be baptized, I'd invite you to uh, navigate to velocitychurch.info. Did I get that right? Uh, velocitychurch.info. And, uh, and you can email and say, I'd like to talk to someone about what it means to be baptized. And we've got people here at Velocity that would love to talk to you about that. And so I'm really glad to be here. I know that, um, that Rob was supposed to be on vacation this week in Europe with his dad. And, um, and I, I need to tell you all, this is not in my message today, uh, that you all need to pray for your pastor and your staff. Uh, here at this church. I get to work with about 500 preachers around the region, a little bit more than that. And they are worn out. And, uh, I remember, uh, e- even as long ago as I went to, to seminary, we never had a class on how to lead a church through a global di- pandemic, uh, or at least I missed that day in seminary. And I have no notes anywhere that I could find, and neither does the staff here or any of the churches. And so uh, they are doing a great job in this church and churches all over the region, leading the, the, the church through a difficult season, but they need your prayers and your support and your encouragement. And so, uh, so hopefully you'll do that here at Velocity. Like I know, that you will. Well, today what I want to do is is just take a a brief look at what I would think is a pretty familiar Bible passage uh, that I think is one of the surprisingly most misunderstood passages in the Bible. And I know it was for me for a very long time. And if you've grown up in, in the church, uh, you've probably heard sermon series on this passage more than once. Or if you went, grew up going to Sunday school, you probably memorized this verse. Or if you went to church camp, you memorize it. And it's in this passage in Galatians chapter five, where the apostle Paul is describing the fruit of the spirit. And he lists nine characteristics of the spirit filled life. So maybe this passage sounds familiar to some of you. The apostle Paul wrote, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Well, that's pretty straightforward. So um, you may be wondering, how in the world can someone misunderstand this passage of the Bible? Well, here's how. Almost always this passage is described as a list of nine separate qualities that a, that a believer needs to grow in to become a more mature Christian. Nearly always they're depicted as nine separate fruit that you'd find like in a, in a fruit basket or at the produce section at your local grocery store. Uh, are you with me? Uh, we've got a picture of a book that I found online that, that kind of depicts it that way. All these different fruit of the Spirit. And the reason why this isn't the best way to understand this passage is because of the Greek word that the Apostle Paul used for fruit. And in the Greek word, it's the Greek word karpos, karpos. And the interesting thing about karpos is that in Greek, it is singular. It's in the singular tense. And uh, in the English language, fruit is one of those odd words that can be understood both as singular or plural, right? You can have a fruit or you can have, Fruit, and they're both pearls, kind of like moose and moose. One moose or a lot, you don't have mooses or mooses. You know, that's just moose either way. But in the Greek language, karpos, fruit is a singular word. And that gives this passage a very fascinating flavor. No pun intended, or maybe pun intended. Uh, Some Bible commentators use this oxymoronic phrase for this word carpos. They're saying it is a singular plurality or a plural singularity uh, for this word. You know what an oxymoron is, right? It's two words that don't seem to go together at first, but then when you think about it a little bit more, they kind of do go together. Like jumbo shrimp. Or uh, maybe you know someone that is consistently inconsistent. You know who I'm talking about. Or someone that's a devout atheist. Or someone who is extremely average. They just don't seem to go together. Or there's, there's shows that are, that they say they're a live recording. Which is it? Uh, Or uh, an airplane that makes a crash landing. It's one or the other. And uh, maybe my favorite, personal favorite is Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl champions. Uh, So, uh, so thank you. There are people here in person, apparently Dallas Cowboy fans. And so what's the, what's the implication of this different way to look at this fairly familiar passage? The Apostle Paul isn't describing nine different fruits, but rather nine qualities that you'll find in a mature fruit, one that is fully ripened. And you don't get to pick and choose the three or four that you kind of like to focus on. All nine are present when a fruit is fully ripe. And so my question for you this morning is, what's your favorite fruit? I have some folks here in the morning. Chipper, what's your favorite fruit? Uh, blueberries. Blueberries. All right. Sarah, where'd Sarah go? Sarah, what's your favorite fruit? Apple. Apples. Specifically Fuji apples, she told me. So online, turn to the next person next to you and tell them what is your favorite fruit. Go ahead. All right. So... You know, when, no matter what fruit you have, you, you're always a little disappointed when, you, when that fruit isn't fully ripe when you're ready to eat it, aren't you? You, you know when it's not quite right; It's not as sweet or it doesn't have the right texture or the right tenderness or the right coloring. Something's just not right about it. Like uh, Rob told me that his favorite fruit is watermelon, particularly in July. And you get a nice watermelon at the grocery store. You come home, slice it open, looks pretty good. And then you take your first bite and you realize it has almost no flavor. Has that ever happened to you? It's just not quite ripe yet. Or you get a beautiful bunch of bananas. They're all bright yellow at the store. And then uh, they're kind of still a little bit green on the inside. They're not quite ripe yet. Or uh, this week we were taking a walk out in the country as a family together and we happened upon this big hedgerow of blackberries and our son Timmy popped one in his mouth that looked ripe, but it was still sour. It it wasn't quite ripe yet. Or take the fruit avocado. Did did you know that avocados are a fruit? You learn something new every day. Have you ever bought an avocado and put it on your kitchen counter? It wasn't ripe yet. And you kind of check every day. Check one day, not ripe yet. Check the next day, not ripe yet. Uh, The next day, not ripe yet. And then you, you check it. Then you go to the bathroom, and five minutes later, you come back, and it's rotten. It's gone bad. And I don't know why that happens, but I think it's just because avocados are an evil fruit. That's that's the only reason I think I hate avocados. Well, I think that's the way it is for believers as well. There are believers who may look like one thing on the outside, but on the inside, they're just not quite ripe yet. Maybe they look pretty good on the outside, but like that watermelon, when you— when you get to know them on the inside, they've got practically no spiritual flavor at all. Or maybe like that banana, they're kind of still green on the inside. They're not ripe. Or worse yet, you, you find someone who kind of looks pretty mature on the outside, but like the blackberry, they're still sour and bitter on the inside. So let's reread that passage from Galatians chapter five with this singular plurality in mind, what a mature fruit looks like. The apostle Paul said, the fruit singular of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a picture of a spiritually mature person. And so the question is this morning, how ripe are you? Uh, How mature are you spiritually? And the question isn't which three or four are you really good at? The real question is, which one or two qualities do you still need to grow in to be fully ripe? This past two weeks, our family was on vacation, traveling to upstate New York. We went to the first time. I've been all over the country, all over the world. I've never been to Niagara Falls. And so we, uh, for a couple days, went up in the Niagara area and we went to Niagara Falls. We got a picture of my family right outside the falls here. And uh, we, we, uh, it was awesome. And uh, well, here's a quick clip of Timmy under the observation deck at Niagara Falls, it's called the Hurricane Deck, kind of appropriately. He didn't have to take a shower for a week after this was over. And uh, here's what I think is a really practical application for this passage of Scripture, Galatians chapter 5. As we were driving north out of Virginia to get up to n- New York, Lisa and I had more than eight hours of windshield time uh, to, as we were driving up there. We had, lo- we had time to talk about all kinds of stuff, uh, but we started talking about the fruit of the Spirit and even this message that I was working on for today. And uh, and especially how it relates to social media. We were kind of excited that we were gonna be kind of disconnected of technology for two weeks. And we were talking about social media. And I believe that social media is a great way to test how mature a believer is. Kind of like you would test an avocado with your finger and push on it to see how ripe it is. Social media is kind of that way for believers. And so the question is, to what degree do your posts and comments and replies on social media reflect, reflect the qualities of a mature fruit? Think about these qualities, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and especially self-control. Does your social media use create godly joy? Does it create, does it promote peace or more division? Is there, is there always a flavor of kindness and goodness and gentleness? And probably the most telling what we were talking about in the car is do you have the self-control needed not to post or not reply even though your flesh really wants to? It takes self-control, doesn't it? So how ripe are you? Well, I'm pretty disappointed about how political social media has gotten, aren't you? You know, by, the, by definition, social media should be social, not political, and it should be about my friends and my family and my, my network of friends. And I'm not, well, I'm, I'm convinced that, uh, that debating political views or even bashing other people's political views on social media, uh, social media is doing any good. It's not creating much peace, but rather division. It's not re- creating much joy, but rather anger. And I, I definitely often see a lot of lack of self control. Don't you? When Lisa and I were missionaries in what was then the newly uh, independent country of Ukraine about 25 years ago, uh, we didn't worry about or get too engaged in local politics. You, you wanna know why? Because we were citizens of a different country we were leaving and going home at some point and so we didn't get involved in local politics all that much and so Christians brothers and sisters over and over again god's word reminded us reminds us that we are citizens of a different country one example of that is the apostle paul reminds the believers in a town called philippi when he said for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for our savior the lord jesus we're citizens of a different country. Now, while we we're on vacation, we, were on, we started our vacation over the July 4th weekend. I know for a lot of people, one of the few silver linings for this whole COVID season is the fact that Disney Plus started showing the musical Hamilton online for free. I don't know if you've watched that online. Uh, and so in the musical Hamilton, there's this song near the end of the first act called Yorktown. And in that, they, the, the song says, or it actually raps, the world turned upside down. And, and I, love that, I love that phrase. And when we started our first church, we moved to Virginia 22 years ago and we started a church in Virginia Beach called Forefront Church. And when we started that church, our byline for our church said that we wanted to be a church that was full of people that would love God, love people, and who turned the world upside down. That was our byline. And we didn't steal that line from the musical Hamilton. It hadn't even been composed yet. We actually stole that line right out of the the Bible itself. There's this account in the Bible in Acts chapter 17 when Christianity is brand new. And there's never yet been a Christian in this particular town, this one little town. And for the first time, some Christians arrive in this town and the people in the town say, the people who have turned the world upside down have now arrived in our town too. And it's like, Christianity already has this reputation. The Christians have this reputation for turning the world upside down, even though it's only a couple of years into Christianity. Now in the musical Hamilton, the way that the the world is turned upside down is through politics. And I think there's a lot of Christians today who grab onto politics as their preferred agent of change. But that's really not the way of Jesus. And it certainly wasn't the way of the early church. Those early Christians turned the world upside down, not through politics, but through love and prayer. It was spiritual change, not political change. And so I wanna encourage you today, church, as people who want to turn the world upside down, we're not gonna do it through politics. We're not gonna do it by trying to have more power on our particular side of the aisle. We'll do it through what, using what literal, little power we have to serve and to love with patience, kindness, and self-control, one life at a time, one heart at a time. We're gonna see life change, life transformation happen. And as these stories start to add up, like in that video that we just saw, the whole world is gonna be turned upside down. So let's love God, love people, turn the world upside down through love, not politics. Lisa and I have a friend named Steve Yetten uh, and he shared this recent personal illustration of this kind of ripened fruit that the apostle Paul describes in Galatians chapter five. And it's, it's, it's expressed not through politics, but actually it's kind of expressed in spite of politics. Now, Steve is the preacher at the First Christian Church in Columbus, Indiana, uh, kind of where Lisa grew up. It's where her mom is a member uh, currently. And, uh, but we've known Steve longer than just the preacher at Lisa's church. We actually went to college together back in the day at Cincinnati Christian University. We were friends then. But even more than that, before that, Lisa actually went to church camp with Steve when they were teenagers back in the early 1980s, if you can imagine that. that those are back in the days when our white socks were long and our shorts were short, scary short. And uh, now, now today, thankfully, our socks are short and our shorts are long. And I, I, go figure, I don't know how that happens. But, uh, but Steve recently told his congregation, quote, in the weeks since the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, protests against police and have broken out all over our country. As we know, some of these protests have turned violent, not all, but some. Many protesters simply want to draw attention to those injustices committed in the name of law enforcement. And one of those protests, protesters was a man in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, just an hour south of Columbus by the name of Darren Lee Jr. And maybe you saw this story in the news when it was published. He was involved in a protest in downtown Louisville. And the atmosphere, the atmosphere of this protest was starting to get a little tense, a little heated. At one point in one area, protesters uh, started getting violent. They jumped on a police car. They were banging on the hood and banging on the windshield. And another squad car showed up to assist that police car. And a police officer got out of the second car and started making his way through the crowd. But suddenly he found himself separated from his other officers, surrounded by these angry protesters yelling profanities at him. And their their fists were balled up and it, it didn't look very good he didn't know what to do. He was alone. He was scared. He tried to reason with the crowd, but his words were kind of drowned out by the insults and the shouts. And he knew that all it would take would be for one person to make a move. And like a spark that launches a fire, it would be all over. All someone would have to do would be to throw a punch or to kick him or something. And he would be surrounded and overwhelmed by a pile of people. That's when Darren Lee, this protester, stepped out of the crowd and he positions himself between the officer and the angry protesters. And soon, a few other protesters did likewise. And there's this picture of it that we saw in the news. They linked arms with Darren Lee and provided a circle of defense around the officer. And the protesters, who moments before were yelling profanities at the officer, were now turned their wrath on these traitors. In their eyes, one of them demanded, "How can you defend him? How can you protect that, that officer?" Thankfully, in a couple of minutes, it was all over. Another squad car pulled up and Lee escorted the officer to the safety of that third vehicle. And our friend, Steve Yetton, continued to think about that story after it was published. Here was a black man, someone who most likely had experienced some of the injustices that he was protesting about. Here he was to protest the injustices of law enforcement, but now he had suddenly become a defender of a police officer, even at the risk of his own life. And the more Steve thought about it and the actions of Darren Lee, the more he realized where he had seen this kind of love and compassion protecting peace. It's in scripture, isn't it? And so this made Steve think to himself, I wonder. And so he messaged Darren Lee on private message on Facebook and he said, quote, I just want to commend you for that act of bravery and expression of humanity. But I'm curious, what role, if any, faith may have played in your actions that day. While a person doesn't need to be a Christ follower to do good actions for people, Christ followers should never fail to do good for others because of the one who dwells in them. So I just wondered if you're a Christian and if so, how did your faith play into the actions you took that day? Surprisingly, he got an answer back and he gave Steve permission to share his reply. Lee replied, I am a Christian. And I wasn't thinking that day about what could happen to me. I just wanted to do the right thing and peacefully protest. All I can say is that God was watching over us, and he made us do what we did. He protected us that day as well. Thank you for your message. May God continue to bless you and your family. You know, the world doesn't understand this kind of mature fruit as evidenced by the shouts and the profanities that were thrown in his directions when he started defending the police officer. You know, our world is going to be turned upside down when they get to personally taste of a fruit of a life transformed by the Spirit of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So how ripe are you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as a church family, as a representation of your uh, bride on this earth, we want to be a church that loves you, loves people, and turns the world upside down. And we know that's going to happen when they get to see people who are fully spiritually mature. They'll be surprised and challenged and inspired by lives that have been transformed by your spirit we want to be those people. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. You know, there's another verse in the Bible that I really misunderstood when I was growing up, and it's this this uh this a uh, verse in Matthew chapter 25 when Jesus is initiating the very first uh, time of communion. It's at the upper room, the Last Supper. And I grew up years ago when we were still using the King James Version of the Bible. And there's this, there's this verse in Matthew 26, actually, when Jesus uh, said, uh, the Bible says, he took the cup and gave thanks and he gave it to him, his disciples saying, drink ye all of it. And as a kid, I misunderstood that because I thought Jesus literally meant you had to drink all the juice. And so every time I took communion, I would take the cup and I would get my tongue way up in the bottom of the cup and I would drink all of it because Jesus said, drink ye all of it. And, uh, uh, And so I would always be amazed by these little old ladies that would take the juice out and they would only drink half the cup and put it back. Like they were like, that's too much for me or I'm on a diet or whatever. They would only drink half their cup because Jesus said, drink ye all of it. But I misunderstood that passage because what Jesus was saying then is that he wants all of of them to participate, every one of you. And at Velocity and all the sister churches that you've helped us to plant, we practice what's called open communion. That communion is offered to everyone who wants to remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And there are some faith traditions where communion is kind of restricted to those that are part of that church or that denomination. Uh, But at Velocity, we invite everyone who who wants to remember Jesus. And so right now we're going to be taking communion. I'm going to pray for the elements and then you uh, can find those elements at your home and take communion and then we'll continue our service. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the death of your son, Jesus. We celebrate a death, something that we normally don't do, but we celebrate his death because it earned for us salvation. And so every week we, re- we are reminded of that. We remember that. We take these elements of communion to remember his death on a cross. And we're thankful that this offer of salvation is open to all of us. That it's not restrictive, it's not exclusive. It includes everyone who will call on your son, Jesus. And so we thank you for him and we pray in his name. Amen.